Hi everyone, and welcome back to the old personal podcast, where we turn the good old saying, nothing personal, just business, upside down again, and prove how, in fact, it's all personal, nothing is just business. Because it's how we use our personal skills every day that makes us happy, both at home or at work. And here we go to prove that learning is not an event, but a habit. And my guest today is simply perfect for our conversation, because I'm speaking with Emma Sue Prince, who is a qualified teacher and a management development trainer, author, and business consultant. Her expertise lies in soft skills, trainer training, materials design, qualification development, and management development. She provides employability, soft skills, and education consultancy in emerging economies all over the world, working on large-scale projects in India, Malaysia, Tanzania, and in Bangladesh in partnership with the Department of International Development and the British Council. Emma Sue also developed Unimenta, an organization that makes it easier for teachers and practitioners to deliver soft skills and personal development. She is also the author of The Advantage, a book published by Pearson Business and translated into eight languages. The Advantage redefines soft skills as personal competencies we can all develop and nurture. Adaptability, empathy, critical thinking, integrity, optimism, being proactive, and resilience. You may guess I was hooked by the idea of redefining soft skills, obviously, because it matched the all-personal theme so perfectly. Emma Sue, welcome to our podcast, and I'm so happy to have you here. I was so looking forward to our discussion today. Thank you for having me. I was wondering, because I read in your bio that you are a qualified teacher and now you're a trainer and a consultant, and I guess I I was wondering... Have you always had a passion for teaching or how do you discover that? Well, I think that's an interesting question because um, I'm somebody who actually dropped out of school at 16 um, because uh, for lots of different reasons. Um, And I came into training and education um, in a sort of non-conventional way. Um, I think... The teaching element comes from a a genuine love of people and of wanting to share and wanting to develop other people. So I think it comes from something, you know, inside me. And that probably was always there, um, despite uh, not going down the conventional route, as it were. Okay, so it was something that you had in you and that you took and developed and further down in your career. Yes. Because you've been a a teacher and a trainer, could you uh, give us some details around the difference between teaching and then training adults? What were some differences for you? Well, actually, I have mainly only worked with adults and and went very quickly into training uh, as opposed to teaching um so that's the sort of path my my work went down um and i think with training it's much more about certainly the kind of training that i do it's much more about allowing people to develop their own awareness um allowing learning to emerge from the training especially if you're looking at behavior and soft skills um, and also being open and willing to the fact that people have many different ways of learning. And of course that applies to any kind of teaching too. Um, but, you know, adults will bring with them their own kind of stories and, and, and baggage around ha- their own educational experiences. So they bring all that into the training room uh, as adults, which I think you have to be quite aware of as a trainer as well. 
Right. So how long have you been doing that? How long have you been training soft skills? Um, well, I've probably been working mainly in that in this particular area for the last um, 10 years, uh, although I would say that a lot of my work has included it. But I think now I'm much bolder about um, stating that this is what I do. This is the only kind of training that I do now. Mm-hmm. So this comes with um, with the practice, right? The uh, the confidence that to say that this is what you do. Yes, I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. And how did you how did you get into that into actually training soft skills? I would say that I'm now doing that much more since I since my book was published. Um, so I wrote a book that looks at the seven soft skills of adaptability, empathy, integrity, critical thinking, being resilient, being optimistic, being proactive. So so that was a book that I wrote about the fact that these skills are all inside you. And it was only after I wrote the book that I then developed a particular training workshop that goes with it. Um, So now most of my work, I would say 90% of my work is in either delivering these workshops or training others to deliver them. Um, so that's quite that's quite a shift because I think prior to that um, I would I was doing a number of different things, but now I would say it's my sole focus. All right. So um, and I'm glad that you mentioned the book because I wanted to talk about it anyway because I think it's one of those books that are so relevant in in today's environment and not just the work environment, but for any kind of personal development that we are looking at doing. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, first of all, how long did it take you to write this book? Uh, Well, it took me about four months um, and Mm -hmm. I was doing other things at the same time. Um, So what I did find is that once I started writing it, it was it was very easy to write. It, it was like it was already there waiting to come out. Only I didn't realize it. <laughs> All right. And um, OK, because you mentioned seven skills um, and you mentioned some that have been such buzzwords lately, like empathy, especially empathy and critical thinking. How did you get down to I guess I don't know did you start from several skills that you were looking at and then funneling down to these seven or was it you started from these seven directly (laughs) well I think that's that's another quite interesting question because uh, without going into a long explanation of 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 how the book came about um, it really ended with me um, sitting trying try, try to distill the summary of the book into one page and I just sat at my computer and I thought about what are the things that really help us uh, in life and at work and I just decided that they were going to be these seven and then I through writing the book I then backed it up with all the research and you know all the things I, I, I then decided to focus on but really it was just sitting there and thinking okay what are the skills that really help? Mm-hmm. And do you have um? Do you have a favorite one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I w- I would say that they are all equally important. And what I've what I've noticed um, is five years since the book first came out, and I'm currently writing a second edition, which will come out later this year. And what I've noticed is that, um, especially in the last five years, and with the workshops that I deliver, that there is really strong overlap between them all um and and that so it's very hard to say you know that one is a particular favorite um i think some of them are more challenging than others um but i would say that actually they're all equally important i would have loved to have been in in one of your workshops just to see um how people how people get to practice these skills and what their reactions are i mean I was wondering what are some of the reactions that people have during the wor- the workshops and then as a result of the workshops as well. 
Yeah. Um, well, I think the first thing to say is that these skills are skills that you that you develop and continue to work on every single day. Um, they're not skills that you you know read about and learn and then that's it off you go um it's 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 a daily it's a daily process so so i every day i fall short of these skills myself and i have to work on them and develop them that's the that's the first thing that's very important to mention um the workshop that we deliver is an awareness raising workshop so what we want to do in that workshop is get people to a point where they are aware that that these skills are important and that they're, they are aware that they have these skills inside them and all they've got to do is start to focus on them each and every day. So um, the, 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 the way people respond to the workshop, I mean, it's, it's, it's different mm-hmm. for each group. We deliver it to all different kinds of different kinds of groups. Um, and they are usually, um, Generally, I would say they are they are they, they love the fact that it's about them. It's completely about them. So it's not somebody explaining to them what these skills are. They get to set the context for this for the skill themselves. Um, and then I think the workshop can be quite exposing because it's experiential learning. Um, people can feel like you know potentially can feel quite vulnerable so it's very important that it's a very supportive mm-hmm. environment for them um and then what we do is try to, we try to give we try to work out ways that people can start to develop the skills day to day so there's a lot of follow-up and there's support and ideas and tips so i'll give you an example because that's right probably yeah. better yeah. explained to an example um so uh, um, adaptability for example that's one of the seven skills when we do this in the workshop, we we have an exercise which may or may not take somebody out of their comfort zone. So they experience something in real time that may take them out of their comfort zone, may not, because we don't know if it will or, or if it won't. So they go through that and then they reflect on that, what happened during that exercise with, with the facilitator. So sometimes in that situation people some people won't do the exercise because it's too far out of their comfort zone um and that's fine that's great because you can work with that and other people are very happy because it's right in their comfort zone and so what we do after an exercise like that is we then get people to physically stand where they thought they were in relation to the exercise so were they in their comfort zone were they in their stretch zone or were they way out in their panic zone, as in couldn't do it, panicky, nervous, and so on? Um, so they experience that. And then we start delving a bit deeper and start looking at, you know, how did they feel? So if they were in the panic zone, if they didn't do the exercise, they're likely to have felt, um, you know, their heartbeat will have gone up. Um, they would have maybe been sweating a bit. They would have been fe- all experiencing all these kinds of fight or flight reactions. Mm-hmm. You know? Um so then so that and if they're in their comfort zone they're going to be feeling physically relaxed and you know good uh, and of course the comfort zone isn't the place to be either if you want to learn to be adaptable <laughs> yeah. the whole point of the exercise is to say look you know you need to be in your one of the quickest ways to develop adaptability skills is to get into your stretch zone and to try and consciously mm-hmm. do things in your stretch zone so once we've done that exercise and once they've really got it they then start to make links so they will start to see maybe other situations in their life and work where they've either been too much in their comfort zone or they've been you know too far out of their comfort zone and then we go on to looking at ways they could be more in their stretch zone and that's an example of 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 how we might do something in connection with Mm -hmm. adaptability so people come away from that thinking okay uh you know i can i can look at some ways that i can start to develop that skill yeah, and I think uh, what is great about it is that they have this, if you want, sample or model that they can follow in in their daily life as well, because they will probably think about where they are with what they're doing um, in the comfort zone, what skills they could take further and get into the stretch zone, which are the skills that are probably somewhere in the panic zone, and see what if there's anything that they can do about those as well. So I think they, you know, you're giving them um, a good pattern if you want um, to, to follow as well for themselves, I guess. 
Yes, and, and and also they don't they don't forget. You know, they they retain that learning. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how you know we, we've spoken to people you know one year on or two years on from the workshop, and they'll still remember. They'll still remember the experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's you know because because it's a, a real time experience. Yeah, I think because also it's experiential and as you said and I was wondering could you dive a little bit into the experiential um, learning what that means especially for the kind of workshops that you do but not just that because we can we hear a lot of uh, of this word as well like experiential training and it's all very very experiential for the participants and what does that mean actually well i think what it means is that it needs to be something that people are experiencing in real time so for example if if people are are doing a role play a lot of people will quite happily take part in a role play and and you know exhibit behavior that is useful for that particular role play but it may not be how they might normally respond in a real situation so experiential is 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 all about exposing if you like your default behaviors um that's why it can feel a bit vulnerable so Mm -hmm. the uh uh, facilitator skill has to is very high because a facilitator has to really be able to work with whatever is emerging from that experience because it's, it's, you, you do not know how people are going to respond. You can only work with, with how they actually respond. So with experiential learning, what can often happen in a lot of training, sadly, is that the focus is on the experience. So if you look at, you know, these, these kind of big outdoor team building activities and so yeah. on, um, people can take part in something like that and they'll have a great time and they'll go through, you know, whatever, I don't know whether they're doing abseiling or, you know, climbing, whatever it is they're doing. Um, and they'll go through an activity and then there might be a little bit of review, but there'll be very little else. And the whole point with experiential learning is you have to take people around the cycle of learning. So they, they, so, so you have the activity followed by um, interpreting that activity as, you know, what happened, you know, what actually happened in the activity, then being able to um, think about it and reflect, you know, so, Mm-hmm. Is is you know why did I behave like that? Why why did I respond like that? What was actually happening for me? And then to finally make a link between what happened on that exercise and real life. So this is very very important. And it's and it, as I've said, you know, a lot of experiential learning doesn't doesn't fulfil that. Doesn't take people around that whole cycle. The other thing I think to to sort of blow out of the water is that. Um, there's a big misperception that experiential learning has to be like these big, huge, expensive exercises and, you know, involve lots of equipment and materials. And and no, actually, anything can be a vehicle for experiential learning. So you can have a very powerful experiential learning exercise simply by getting a group of people to, um, you know, my, my favourite example is you give them a plastic bowl and you tell them to pass the plastic bowl around the circle just using their feet. Right. You just give them that as an exercise and then just let, you know, let it, let it unfold, you know, let, let what happens happens. And then, um, then take them around that, that experiential learning cycle so they can reflect properly and make links properly because that kind of exercise, which doesn't require hardly any equipment, doesn't take very long. But it will immediately highlight how somebody might work might work in a team. Um, and if that group, let's say you've got five people doing that exercise, uh, if that group know each other, then you know people will respond in a particular way as they would in a group that knows each other. If they don't know each other, they'll respond as they would when they're in a team where they don't know when they don't know anyone else do you see mm-hmm. so it's it's it, it shows up people's default behavior whatever whatever is happening in that activity is how people behave in real life okay so that means as you said for you as a facilitator it means that you really have to be extremely 
focused in in that on that activity and really be there for that group to be able to debrief the whole exercise properly and maybe act as the observer right who says okay so you've been doing this was your default reaction or helping them to see their default reactions and helping them put them into into a wider context right Exactly. Yes. And it's, and and a lot of it is about, you know, observing the behavior, but Mm -hmm. also allowing people to, to, to say for themselves what they, you know, what, what they did. Um, But, but often it can be just saying, you know, I noticed, I noticed that when, you know, when, when Harvey uh, offered you, you know, X, Y, Z, you responded quite negatively. And I wondered why, you know, so the observation can be like that. And then they, they can then take it forward in whatever they want in whatever way they want to so it's it's quite a skill because you can't be sitting there thinking you know oh gosh I wish they would do it differently or I wish I wish they (laughs) I wish they weren't arguing other whatever it might be because you just work with whatever whatever it is they're doing Mm. you just work with that and and feed that back to them sorry I'll give you another example um of something I did quite recently it was quite funny it was um I was doing an exercise which involved not a, not a, a bowl but a but a hula hoop, and it and it's it's, it's a classic experiential learning exercise. But you have a team, and you they all hold they go into a circle and they hold hands, and then you give them you get two of them to let go of their hands and give them the hula hoop. So they've got their hands through the hula hoop, and the task is for them, for them to pass this hula hoop around the circle, but they can't use their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, I did this exercise because norm- normally this exercise takes, it's not a long exercise, but it takes, you know, a little bit of time because they kind of have to work it out. So I did this exercise with a group of people who work for a um, very fast moving, high performance software company. And they they did it and they they mm-hmm. um, they fulfilled it, but they did the task within seconds like literally within seconds and I and I remember standing there thinking well that's a, a, a kind of it was so quick you know um that, that, <laughs> I, that I just thought oh gosh okay they've done it really really quickly um how am I going to reflect on this you know so I then in the moment because I just was led by what I could see in front of me I, I got them to do it a second time and I just said look this time I want you to do it a little bit a bit more you know let's have a bit more creativity in the task so they did it again and they did it exactly the same really really fast like within seconds and um the but the great thing about it was that because that's all I had to work with I just reflected that back to them and I just said this is what happened and you know you fulfilled the task really really quickly and they then took that forward and and were t- because they knew each other really well this team so so I think it worked well because of that right. as well and they were saying to each other, oh my gosh this is what we do at work you know, we're always focused on the results. We don't, we don't think about process. We don't think about, and they went into this long reflection themselves, le- led by, you know, I kind of, kind of mm-hmm. interjected in, you know, a little, a little bit, um, purely based on that activity that took seconds. You know, they, they probably had a half hour discussion about it and then, you know, started to mm-hmm. look at way, ways they could approach tasks differently at work, um, just purely based on that on that very, very short exercise. Right. So you basically use the adaptability that you're teaching for debriefing that exercise and talking about it because you took the situation as it was and used it to clarify and to show them, maybe put the, the light in a different way and to show them the perspective that you have looking at them. Okay. Yes. That's such a great thing to have happened yeah yeah it was and that's the beauty of of experiential mm-hmm. learning and, and 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 using it in that way but i think i think it does require quite a quite a high degree of confidence which is why maybe you know as i as i was saying at the beginning of our of our interview i've been doing this more in the last 5 years and my yeah. confidence my confidence has grown uh you know throughout throughout doing it mhm okay what are some because I like it 
I like that you say that your confidence has grown while doing that because you have been doing that for a longer period of time. And I think this is crucial for anyone who works on improving themselves uh, in whatever way, in whatever role that they want to improve. Um, and I wanted to ask you since the beginning, because you, you, you started let's say five years ago, right? And have done this more, more often in the past five years, as you say, what are some of the the skills or maybe one skill in particular that you noticed you, you took and you, you developed and it, it's now strong with you as a facilitator or stronger with you that you feel more confident about? Uh, Yes, there is definitely one one skill. So one of the things, that, and actually it's not one of the seven, <laughs> but one of the things that I do, one of the methodologies that we use in the workshop is um, working with uh, improv, improvisation mm-hmm. principles. And um, I, this is something which I, I came to it through a friend of mine who is actually an improv artist and um, and a trainer himself. And uh, I write about him a little bit in, in the in the first edition of the book. Um, anyway, this is something where he would say to me, look, you know, you don't have to be an improv artist to use these skills to work with with, with other people. Um, and I would you know, I, I just thought, oh, my gosh, I can't I can't I'm not an improv person. I can't sort of make you know play these games and get people to do all these things, you know, um, and I. I, but, but at the same time, I was convinced that these were highly uh, high impact um, techniques that I could use. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I, I I knew about the kinds of exercises I could use. Um, he had given me lots of tips and lots of ideas and lots of help. Uh, but of course, the only way that I could actually learn how to use these techniques was to just go ahead and use them. So you know, there's no shortcut, you know, you can watch all the YouTube videos you like, you have the only way to do it is to actually go and actually do it in the workshop. So I, I do, I, I did and I do, and I have now thoroughly embraced this as a methodology, but it, and I now feel, you know, much more confident than I did, but I can really see that I've I've used that um, and I've developed that in the last few years. But not only that, the, the, I think the skill of improv, because although, yes, there are these techniques you can use, but also it's about being, it is about being very much in the moment. Mm-hmm. So the reason we use imp- improv in the workshops is because they sort of underpin all seven skills, you right. know. Um, it's, about, it's about support and acceptance and, you know, spontaneity and being in the moment. And so I've kind of, I've needed those skills anyway in 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 my training. So I would say that for for my training uh, work, that um, I've strengthened that skill probably the most, mm-hmm. and it's been very very beneficial, very beneficial. Yeah, I guess this is the uh, the skill that allows you to work with what whatever the group gives you as at the end of an exercise, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there any any skill that you still, let's say, wished you had right now and are working on making it stronger? Yeah, I mean, as I said, I think, you know, I, I, I fall short of these skills every single day. Uh, and I say that with humility um, and, and, and acceptance because I know that to be the case. So, um, you know, What's great about these seven skills is that life gives us opportunities to develop them all the time, you know, to work on them all the time. So something like empathy, for example, which requires a, a high degree of, um, of, of, of listening um, and really using active listening skills. This is one of the skills that, are, that can really be very challenging if you are, you know, if, you're, if you yourself are feeling, you know, if you're not in a great place on a particular day or if you've um perhaps not been looking after yourself or you've had a bad night's sleep or mm-hmm. you know you're just in a funk or or you know your husband has just done something that you don't particularly <laughs> you don't particularly like you know that, that can be a point where it's where it's actually quite hard to, to to use empathy um and so these skills require you to make a conscious effort you have to consciously think okay you know how could i respond differently um 
So, you know, you're never going to be able to do that 100% of the time because we're human beings. You know, we are human beings. We're, go- we're, going, to, we're going to fail. We're going to, we're going to um, have times when we are not listening as well as we should. But the point of it is, is to keep developing that awareness. So this is all about self-awareness and understanding, okay, you know, these are the things that trigger my lack mm-hmm. of listening, you know, my lack of empathy. And and this is what I need to be doing about it. This is what I need to be thinking about and reflecting on and doing about it. So I think there's a big, uh, a big bit of um, working on oneself. I think, you know, for me, this is, this is true for me. And I think it's true for any of my trainers that, you know, you are also consciously developing these skills. Um, and so I think, you know, when I look at all seven, I think, I think there are times when I can fall sh- fall short of, mm-hmm. of of all of them. I would say that uh, I would say that some of them I I am stronger in for different reasons. Um, so I think, for example, I am naturally quite resilient and and adaptable. Um, but I think there are times when you know empathy can be a challenge for me. So I can sometimes be a bit intolerant, you know, or you know, like yeah. anyone, you know, if I if I, if I think there's a yeah like anything so so um so yeah I I I feel I need to keep I I, I need to keep growing and keep developing Mm -hmm. because um and it's interesting that you say that because first of all you're saying so some of them some of these skills okay some of them you're better at and maybe you feel more more comfortable with them at all times but some of them they also depend on the context that you're in uh maybe physically maybe emotionally and they can take you from one place to another and you can react depending on the context that you're in and use one skill maybe less than you would normally use it and that's an interesting that's an interesting idea that you mention here because sometimes we look at our skills and sometimes we look exactly at those skills that we think we don't have or we think we're not strong at and maybe just maybe we look at them exactly at the wrong moment (laughs) at the moment when we cannot be empathic let's say because something has happened maybe um, and we get that as a defining, as a defining moment as for that particular skill. And then we think, no, you know, I'm not the creative type, or I'm not the, uh, I'm not good with numbers, or, or I'm not good at listening to people. I'm not good at expressing my ideas, simply because in, in a moment that wasn't particularly good for us we discovered that and it was such a shock maybe that we it's it got stuck there i and i think that's yeah i think that's true and i think what the awareness bit does is helps us to uh recognize that we're not using that skill in that moment and then maybe it helps us to not resort to our default behavior. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, we, we, we may not be able to use that skill right in that moment, but we also hopefully with the awareness don't resort to default behavior. So don't resort to saying the, you know, the regretful thing that we might, you know, might not be such a good thing to say, which means that we can then have the awareness to be able to say, look, right now I, I'm not, this is not the best time for me to be talking about this. Um, can we, you know, can we perhaps um, come back to this, you know, when we both cool down or, you know, as you say, mm-hmm. whatever the context might be. So I think that's where, you know, that's where the awareness really helps to help us recognize when we're not using the, using the skill and, and, and to help us to then be humble enough to be able to say uh, and be authentic in that moment. Yeah, right. And I guess awareness as you put it and it's it's such an important i don't know is it a skill <laughs> or how do you get that awareness because you get it by practicing it as well right i would say awareness isn't, isn't necessarily a well is it a skill it's just a good one i i think i think self-awareness is the cornerstone of all behavior change so that mm-hmm. there can be no behavior change 
or, or personal development without that self-awareness. So that is crucial. Now, you may come to that self-awareness in different ways. Um, certainly, it requires a degree of honesty because, you know, we all we all hide behind, we all have the capacity to hide behind our facades and to, you know, stay fixated on our own perspective and and engage in defensive behaviors and and so when that when that's happening we're not really being self-aware you know we're not really that's that's not coming from a very good place and so I think the self-awareness can come from um being able to go to a workshop which helps you develop that but it can equally come from life experiences it can come from being reflective about things that are happening it can also come from um something you know something happens in your life that stops you in your tracks and you suddenly realize that something's got to change something's got to shift mm-hmm. um so self-awareness can come from something like that so so i think it can come to people in different ways um but it's it, it's where everything happens it's where everything starts it's where everything happens um and without it you can't really uh you can't i don't think you can really start to develop these skills mm-hmm. without cultivating cultivating that self awareness and the, and of course the way that you cultivate it is by allowing time for reflection in your day so you know i i spend time in the mornings and evenings writing because that's my way of reflecting you know and reflecting on what's been happening mm-hmm. and, um thinking about you know what what's gone well what hasn't gone so well how can i do things differently how can i you know what, what so so i'm quite so i some i i i'm consistently um aware of how i may be feeling at a particular time and i think that's 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 good it's, you know it's good to have that but um i think it, yeah it'll, it'll come to people in different ways mm-hmm. yeah and i guess um we do need uh someone to maybe facilitate this, this transition from not being so self-aware to becoming self-aware or at least give some some hints of how we can get to practice that because we don't learn that in in school we don't learn that and then as adults maybe maybe we do maybe we don't it depends it very much depends on our own personal journey right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. Because you were saying that you write and that's your that's your way of um, really reflecting on the day and reflecting on yourself. Are there, I don't know, any other, apart from writing, any other tips maybe that we can use uh, to, to become more self-aware? Mm, yes. Well, I, I think, I think one, one quick way, I think, to become more self-aware is to try to find times in the day when you can just be still um, and be present so it doesn't have to you know you don't have to do anything necessarily Mm -hmm. you don't have to write anything down Uh, but just to come try and get yourself to a place of stillness Um, I think you know especially now we just spend so much of the day rushing around from one thing to the other and we don't allow time for ourselves to to reflect and just be still so i think um being trying to find time for that in our busy days is very very important i also think uh simple things like how you how you start your day um is important so i i I think the first part of everyone's day should be focused on themselves because that's where everything starts from so you know a lot of people will start their day focusing on other people or allowing things from other people to impede on the way they start mm-hmm. their day, like, you know, email and messages and all kinds of things. Um, and I think that can, that can get you into a reactive mode straight away. So what you really want is to be in a non-reactive mode um, because that, that will increase your self-awareness, if that makes right. sense. Because um, if you're going around, you're going around reacting to everything you're just not slowing down enough to absorb what's happening around you or you know you have you know you have it's about um knowing that you know you have control over your actions mm-hmm. and your thoughts and that's probably it that's probably it you don't have control over yeah. anything else in your life not really you know but you do have control over what you do what you decide to do 
and what you decide to think and even what you decide to feel. Um, so I would say to bring more focus to those areas rather than putting our focus on all the other things mm-hmm. will help to develop self-awareness. Right. And do you think people are more interested now into um, these kind of um, self-development uh, training or courses or work that they have to do. Um, do you find that they're more interested in that compared to I don't know, let's say five years ago? Um, well, I think I think people are looking for something. I think you know, I think there's an awareness that, um, that I think there's a growing awareness around things outside of ourselves I think there's you know it's obviously personal development is a big market as well um and you know if you look if you go into any bookstore you'll find tons of self-help books and sort of quick routes to achieving this and achieving that and I think that's where it's a bit Mm -hmm. dangerous because people like quick fixes um and they really you know they love when it's like you know 10 you know, 10 ways to become a millionaire, whatever it might be. I'm not saying that's, you know, but, but or, you know, happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, they want people, people sort of want these tips and these quick fixes. There's a, there's a really strong awareness now of, of happiness and, and, and an, an understanding, I think a growing understanding that that's something that has to come from within us. So I think there's a hunger there. Um, but I, I'm not sure people necessarily want to, put the work in you know I think -hmm. think it does require working on yourself um and that's you know that takes effort and I don't know whether and I think people sort of do want quick solutions to things um so yeah so to answer your question about whether they're interested in courses I I, I don't know I think they are interested in in this as an area as in you know people will always want to look at themselves so I think that is yeah you know of value but I think the way they access that is in different ways so I know that what I've noticed through my workshops for example is that the the workshop is is a two-day workshop but actually most people don't want to do anything for two days they want you know they they would like it in a day or half a day or an hour or two hours you know so we find ourselves delivering little chunks of it in different formats in different ways so I think you know people do want things but they don't necessarily want to spend a whole day or a whole week or a whole you know course on you know on training yeah that's true um that's what i was thinking of especially because you're right especially with the uh, need for a quick fix i think it's um because probably of the fast pace of everything so we want fast fixes quick fixes for everything as well we yeah. maybe don't don't feel like doing that hard work and spending some time to see benefits of what we're doing now later on we want to see yeah we want immediate gratification right yeah yes yes in a way, that's, uh, I guess, one um, adaptability skill that maybe the uh, facilitators and the trainers need to have to adapt, as you say, to adapt your your courses and your training sessions to how much people are willing to spend on that in terms of time. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, I yes. think that's yeah, quite a challenge there. But do you um, think that maybe out of those people who have done this work with themselves, um, do you do you think they're able to to really pinpoint the benefits that it's had for them? Um, I think they can. It depends when you talk to them, of course. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think when we when we do evaluation and when we do feedback, we do ask people. Um, you know what are the immediate things they're going to do and what are they going to try out and what are they going to you know implement as a result of the workshop and they will they will say you know they they will actually articulate some of those things whether that's by it can be and and, and interestingly they're very simple things really simple things so as simple as for example when we've worked with um, nurses and doctors who who, you know have a very stressful work environment um, and I always remember one of them saying that what they were going to do is when they come back from work, 
just going to sit in the car and just do some deep breathing and about you know two or three minutes of mindfulness before going into their work their home life so they mm-hmm. just can have that kind of cut off from from work to home life um or I remember someone else recently saying that they were going to they started looking into developing um some new skills because this came out of um a fear of technology and a fear of learning new things and so they were they were taking steps towards actually you know addressing that mm-hmm. so people will talk about very specific things that they're doing which as I say can be quite simple things and then I think it's a case of um as I said earlier on um developing doing things day to day so what we try to do is give people tools where they can start to develop day to day now of course whether they do that or not unless we stay in touch with them we don't know um and you can never know um yeah. because that'll be up to the individual but i know that when we've talked to people two years on you know considerable time after mm-hmm. the workshop they will usually they will usually remember something that they've put into put into place or something that they've done as a result um and i think that's that's okay because you've got to bear in mind as well that with all training and all teaching the facilitator the trainer always has you know five times as much um knowledge and 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 expertise they want to convey mm-hmm. than the particip- participants can possibly absorb you know they what we take away from training is a is a very small percentage in relation to the amount that we maybe could have taken away do you see, if if that makes sense so we're not able yeah. you know we can only take a small percentage away but but if we can you know start to incorporate that into our integrate that into our lives then i think that's the journey that you you know you put people on and and i would hope that um it for me any training whether it's an hour whether it's you know half a day whether it's two days must be transformational and Mm -hmm. and that's that's quite a big ask but for me if people are going to invest time in training then they must have had some sort of, i'm not saying they transform into a different person as a result but they must have experienced something something transformational some kind of aha moment maybe more than one aha moment but you know they need to, that's something that needs to happen as a result of any training session otherwise it's just a waste of time yeah you're absolutely right and i think it makes a lot of sense because you as a trainer or a facilitator you give them a toolbox and they take from it the tools that they need and that they know they can use because not everybody will be choosing the same tools out of that toolbox that you're showing them and making them aware that those tools exist right so but they have to actually take that tool and use it that's right you cannot do it for them that's um yeah thank you for for that because uh that's a very good um it's a very good distinction and i think people have have started to um you know expect to to have to do more work during the training sessions that they attend compared to i don't know 10 20 years ago when they would just go and sit at that session and maybe not participate that much because uh, they would be looking at some some slides or somebody talking to them about some ideas or concepts or maybe not um, embedding that into exercises as much as um, is the case today. So I think also the the world of training and courses is transitioning a little bit into making it all about the participant, as you said, making it all about themselves and making it a transformational a transformational journey for them and with them, done by them, not uh, me as a trainer, I do everything for you because it's not possible. You have to want to work on it. Mm-hmm. We reached the um, end of our conversation, but um, before we go, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you is to give a to share, a, I don't know, an inspirational thought or a quote or an idea uh, with our audience today. I think the one that's coming into my head is um, never be afraid to let go of the good in order to go for the great. And that's a quote I came across quite recently. 
And I think for me, it's something I'm working on at the moment in terms of where to go next. Um, And I think we can, I think this goes for anything in life. We can sort of be, things can be good, things can be going well. um, But sometimes you've got to take a risk or step out of your comfort zone to actually reach something or, or achieve something that is great. And you have to let go of, of, of something in order to, to move mm-hmm. forward. So I think that's the that's the quote that comes to mind, I think. That's a beautiful quote. And thank you very much for that. It was a, to go from the comfort zone into the stretch zone. See what how, how yes. much you can stretch whatever you think is good and make it great. Yeah. Thank you very much for that, um, Emma. So it was um, great to have you here today. It was such an interesting conversation we could have had for for hours, <laughs> I think. Well, thank you very much for having me. And thank you all again for tuning in to the All Personal Podcast. For me, the conversation today reiterated the idea that soft skills are not soft at all. They are essential. Because when we really start to work on our skills, we are, in fact, working on ourselves. So we transform and we bring self-awareness in our life. And it's that self-awareness which leads to mindfulness in any way we might want to define it for ourselves. Because After all, our lives don't run by general recipes. We run them sometimes in moments and quiet thoughts, which then make for our reality. So, I leave you with Emma Sue's inspirational quote, Never be afraid to let go of the good in order to go for the great. Until next time, goodbye. And, of course... Please make it all personal.